Get yourself a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. We're going to be talking to designers and developers about how they got started, what keeps them passionate, and what challenges them. It's the best remedy for imposter syndrome. This is Build Process. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, designers and developers. You are listening to Build Process. This is episode number six, and this month we are sitting down with product strategist Shelly Keith. Shelly, say hi to all of the lovely people who are here just to hear your voice. Hello, lovely people. See, that's the kind of warm greeting we need to give everybody once in a while in life, isn't it? I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so build process, if you haven't listened to it before, build process is our segment where once a month we sit down and we talk to somebody who's working in web development in some capacity, whether that's design, development, strategy, things like this. And we talk about, you know, what they have going on, what products or their projects they're working on, um, but also how they got into it, you know, how they've struggled through it and, and the things that they do and, and what advice they have for folks. So this is all about helping you realize that there are great people doing amazing work that also struggle with things. You know, it's not, not everybody is a unicorn. And I think that's an important message that we send. And it's one that I do every month in this segment. So this month we're sitting down with Shelly Keith. Shelly works over at a company you probably heard of at some point called Modern Tribe. Uh, prior to that, she was the director of, or no, was manager, right? Of digital communication and marketing. Uh, Director of Digital Communication. No, yeah, Director of Digital Communications at University of Mary Washington. Uh, I don't even remember what I've done. Um, and before that, the manager of uh, web and web, uh, web communications and marketing. Is that what my title was? <laughs> you, you tell me. This is your show now. <laughs> the, the bad part is I had notes on that already to go in front of me so I wouldn't screw it up. And yet I didn't put them in front of me as I was saying the words. So. Um, so uh, you basically got sort of a strategy tilt to the work that you do, right? You help coordinate how things get executed, how we, you know, put stuff out in front of people. Is that a fair way for me to sort of describe at, you know, not just 50,000 foot, but like 150,000 foot? Yeah, I think, uh, kind of internally, we say that it's our job as, as strategists to make sure that the right thing is being built. Very anchored very closely to things like user experience, um, user feedback in that loop as well, right? Trying yeah. to figure out, yeah, you know, is is this the thing the customer wants or is this the thing the customer needs to execute on uh, on what they're doing? Right, very much that. And so with Modern Tribe, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, tell folks just a little bit about what it is Modern Tribe specifically works on and specializes in. Um, Modern Tribe specializes in, um, basically, I mean, I, I like to say we get to do some really cool, uh, enterprise level projects. We get to work, um, with a lot of large companies and, and oftentimes with a lot of smaller kind of startup groups. And we get to do, um, a lot of kind of challenging special use case, uh, non-standard implementations of. Uh, oftentimes WordPress. We work a lot in WordPress. So we basically take WordPress and do um, kind of really big, interesting, cool, you know, push the limits stuff with it uh, that I I think we do very well. 
And so you do have then like developers on staff that work with you to then take this project and see it into completion for the client, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we've got, our teams are made up of a strategist, a project manager, and then a variety of developers depending on um, the needs of the project. So we usually have two front end and two back end on a given team. And you know, that's, it's, I think an important uh, structure for people to hear that, you know, we talk a lot about being a web designer, being a web developer, but there are a lot of roles that have to sit in between all of those, especially at larger organizations to make sure that we're, you know, creating the right stuff in the right ways. And that feedback cycle, like you don't ask the, you know, the code monkey to go out and talk to the stakeholders usually to figure out what it is they need. Usually they are going to come up with a very different idea from what the designer would, from what a product designer would and things like that. So you're kind of that person that helps all of these other people talk together, right? And, and speak the same language. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm the client primary client point of contact. Um, I work very closely with our developers, with our designer, with our QA uh, person on the project. Um, I'm kind of the bridge that, that uh, keeps all of that stuff flowing. So going back in time a little bit, what where did you sort of realize that, hey, I'm in a web career like where did that sort of light bulb moment go off that that was what you were gonna do and be doing um so uh let's roll the calendar back to when i was young at some point in the 90s and i figured out uh was hanging out with some friends and we were all kind of slightly computer nerds and i worked um i was in college and worked on campus teaching faculty members how to use Pine uh, and a web browser back when it was Netscape Navigator and we didn't have email clients yet. Um, and I got really, really fascinated, like the computers for me, and especially the web kind of where this, um, it's kind of like a TARDIS, it was all bigger on the inside. There was this no, never ending kind of stream of stuff to figure out. Um, and basically, as soon as I started um, viewing source and figuring out how to occasion how to build stuff myself, I just kind of fell in love and have really never looked back ever. And so that's you know, there's an important little point that's buried there. But while you're you know in, very involved in the strategy side of things now, you do know how to code. It's not like it's like you've avoided that sphere of our industry right no yeah exactly i started out building um i have a background in uh and and definitely not like it is today i'm certainly not up to doing the kind of work that our developers do by any stretch but back then um i was perfectly competent (laughs) at um, building out websites and so that's kind of where i got my start i moved into um kind of systems administration kind of because I had to in one of the roles that I was in before I came into higher ed. Um, and it, I, I, it, I developed this kind of real sense of the big picture because I was touching not only the code, but also the servers and then doing a lot of client communications. And I had kind of a, a bit of a marketing bent and business process bent to me already. Um, and it, it just kind of became, it, it, all tied together and I kind of became this um, prolific generalist. So being able to kind of see all the pieces come together is really important, I think. 
especially from her. your college years on then what what were you studying at that point underwater basket weaving you know or <laughs> my uh okay so i went the first time i went to school my original ma major was behavioral science um i really wanted to originally i really wanted to be an epidemiologist for the cdc um and that went by the wayside at some point when i discovered that computers are awesome so moving forward then your first what what do you consider your first you know adult job that was web centric was that doing the 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 devopsy kind of stuff systems admin stuff or was that more a stepping stone into something else that you then kind of figure as your starting point um so i worked before i came into higher ed i worked uh for several years for the company where i had done the devopsy kind of work um and I would call that my first adult job, but it was in the very early years of kind of the public web. And we were um, just starting with things like e-commerce and the dot bomb hadn't happened yet and all of that. So there was, it was my first adult job, but there was a huge amount of it that was just like, I wonder what happens if I do this? All right, that didn't work. What happens if I do this? Um, so it was a lot of kind of discovery and figuring it out. So I'm really proud to have been kind of part of that early professional web conversation uh where we started to kind of discover how this whole web thing was going to work yeah. and what we could do with it okay well let's switch gears just a hair and let's talk about um when you you're doing all of this stuff of course there's a there's a million things that you're doing in any given situation um but what was the first project that came along regardless of where it was where you got to the end of that project and you looked back at it and you were really proud of the thing that you had built and created and where where was that and what was that thing so for me um i think that very first project uh that was a huge success and a huge deal to me was uh and i <laughs> you're gonna laugh at it I don't actually remember the name of the site itself at this point, but it was a online toy store. And this was early, this was in early e-commerce years, right? This was 2000 ish. So we did an online store, uh, for a toy company that sold uh, step two toys. I don't know if you're familiar with brand, uh, but they were, by the time I left that client, um, cause they sold to another entity by the time that client was no longer my client, They'd gone from this kind of little tiny piddly mom and pop um, online toy retailer to the largest step two retailer in the world. Um, and that was in no small part contributed to the work that we did on that site and the consulting that we did with their marketing plans and their business processes and all of those things. So I was incredibly proud of that project. Um, and, and it still stands out as one of my kind of greatest triumphs. What made that work so well for you? Was it just a, a right place, right time kind of thing as far as the technology and the, the needs and skills went? Or, you know, was there a, a process that you guys used? Like, what was it that really sold that as, hey, this is going to go somewhere? Um, I think, well, it was initially a really solid, positive uh, client relationship that, that set the tone for some real success. Um, and then it was, you know, we were very invested and very interested uh, in seeing this client be successful, but um, it was also 
a bit of a right place, right time. The um, things like security certificates and uh, e-commerce platforms and PayPal and all of those things kind of a perfect storm to come together at a time where we were already working with the client poised to jump on these new technologies and be able to help them leverage. Uh, so it just, there's a, there's a bit of just worked out, um, but being able to have that really strong client relationship that let us kind of go, Hey, let's try, let's try this thing um, and see if we can be successful at it. And it, it allowed us to do that. And um, yeah, so that's, kind of been a both, I guess, is the answer to your question. Well, I'm going to take things the other direction from there and, and ask, I, I tell people, you know, it feels kind of like a, you're interviewing for a job when you jump on build process with me. And I find that greatly entertaining uh, <laughs> because I don't have to hire you when this is all done. Um, it's true. I, uh, I want to ask though about the other direction. So that's a, that was a success that went well, you know, you had fun doing it. You're proud of it. What about something that did not do that? something that, you know, fell on its face, something that you started doing that you thought was going to go well, that ended up, you know, whether, you know, through your work or somebody else intervening or whatever, um, what's a project that just kind of you look back on and you're like, yep, I wish I had that two weeks of my life back. Um, funnily enough, all of my big failures are while well, I was working in higher education. I know that you're not going to be able to, to relate to that at all. Um, I, the one that stands out to me is we did, um, and I, sh I shouldn't say we, it was really, I did, and I had to own that. Uh, we were working on the early days of social media, and there was this big push on my campus to figure out how to um, kind of leverage the social media uh, kind of bandwagon without sending all of our students and prospective students, whatever, um, to Facebook or MySpace or whatever it was at the time. Um, and, and so what they, the goal, which was totally reasonable, was to try to put together something that really um, handled kind of the entire uh, prospect student alumni life cycle, like something that they could become a part of and uh, remain a part of that was tied to the institution uh, and that would give us an ability to like match alums with uh, new graduates and those kinds of things for like jobs and networking. So it had this grand, um, very specific intention. It was very well intentioned, um, but it was extremely under staffed and under supported. It was basically me doing a proof of concept that everybody loved, but then it didn't ever get uh the kind of real institutional support that it needed um so basically what we did is built out this really robust kind of proof of concept for a buddy press implementation um, that got lots of applause and then just fell on its face and that was kind of i mean i know it's not a totally a failed project but it's kind of the the best indicate like the best example that I can come up with of why most of my not super successful projects have failed like you don't have the resources you don't have the support something like that yeah and, and I mean that's incredibly fair in terms of uh, not just higher ed you know it happens a lot of places that when you get to that phase people look at it and they're like it, it's kind of like a almost the the abundance of wealth uh, 
paradox where they have this great thing being shown to them, but then they have no idea how to go forward with it, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a daunting and that the, the student life cycle stuff I know is something that in higher ed, they have been struggling with for 20 years now, trying to figure out how do we keep a person engaged from the first time they learn about us to, you know, they're dying and we want them to, you know, will all their money to us, <laughs> which I mean, is the goal. I mean, that's, that's the, that, that's the, uh, the, the golden ring for them. The development, the, any development folks listening to this right now are like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's not how we talk about that. <laughs> that's not how they talk about it, but it's definitely what they mean. Uh, yeah. But it is, there's a lot of challenge that under, lines like i think and the funny part is i think building the tool is the easy part of that like it's easy to build a tool to nurture people and to give them a community but it's logistically i think very difficult and in an environment like that where they can't just throw more people and more money to make it happen they yeah it that's what happens right and i find that to be kind of universally true right yeah so with all of these ideas and and you know what makes something successful you mentioned with your toy store you know you had a great client who was really invested and, and really helped move things along with your failure it you know it's here's a tool everybody loves it it looks like it's going to work but now they don't know how to deal with it um, people are kind of the linchpin in this whole process right like the people who are involved are the ones you have to deal with and figure out how do we get you on board? How do we sell you on this stuff? Right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly right. The, um, the building the system, building the tool is, is essentially never really the problem. Uh, it's, it's stakeholder management. It's, uh, you know, requirements discovery. Um, it's, it's having to assess whether or not your stakeholder actually understands their own needs. Uh, in the context of what you're trying to build um it's figuring out how much uh how much of the prescriptive uh requirements that they're sending to you are actually valid and how many what needs to be rethought and rephrased um so it's almost i mean it's not even almost it's universally people uh are your biggest kind of question mark in every project and i think and see i want to see if you kind of agree with me on this this is one area that as an industry we're we're pretty bad at teaching it uh, because it's i think hard to teach from that angle of a class on stakeholder management that's you know that's a very difficult thing i think to architect but more than that you know a lot of developers and designers um or whomever you know they they start by working for themselves, usually they build something that they want to use. They make their own website for something, whatever they're 16, they're sitting, you know, in their bedroom on their laptop, they build something. Um, mm -hmm. and that, that skill set of transitioning to a professional career in web development, where you suddenly realize, Oh, I can be the greatest coder in the world, but if I can't talk to another human being, I'm going to be in for a rough ride. And I, I try to, sell that whenever I get a chance. I was a communication major. I studied theater. You'd never know by meeting me. Uh, uh, but <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're totally right. I find those the skills that I learned 
transitioned really well to a technical career because I was always doing the technical stuff. And I was doing it, of course, in a time where teaching yourself wasn't just viable. It was the way you got into the industry. But it's yeah. it gives you that, well, and just like with your role, you know, going in and being able to sit in between somebody who needs something, somebody who has to build something, and somebody who has to check something. And you need to have all mm -hmm. of these people talking together when they all speak different languages. Um, and I think yeah. getting good at that is like an open door to being a good web anything at that point. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I do. Um, and, and really, that's the entire overarching message of most of my uh, governance workshops and, and conversations that I have around governance and higher education is it's it's absolutely the people like the roles and responsibilities and processes and policy and all of those things are important to some level and and it's always good to have things to fall back on but you're this is all about managing people um, from figuring out what you need to build to figuring out how it's going to be populated and managed uh, and then supported over the long term that's all people so let's uh, let's talk for just a second about what is it even after all of this experience you've had, the different organizations you've worked at, what do you find that you still have trouble with? You know, whether that's like actual work or whether it's a management technique or something like that. Like where's, what's something you see it come up in an email or you walk into work one day and, and see something on your desk? Like what is it that gives you a little bit of pause and, and how, how are you deal with addressing those things when you know they're coming or don't know they're coming? There's probably a pile of those things. Um, right now, Gutenberg is one of those things for me. I'm just kind of sticking my head in the sand and I don't want to talk about it. Um, I think uh, for me, it's trying to like be on top of things, being aware of new things in the industry, new new books, new people who are who are talking about interesting things or um, it's this kind of crush to stay relevant. Uh, so I struggle with, you know, I don't know anything about like modern, I don't mean the hard word modern, but kind of more modern, more advanced, uh, kind of more disciplined web development techniques. I know nothing about some of these current languages that people are using. I, I still don't know very much about PHP. So it's it's this kind of the builder in me is kind of like, I can't do anything. I can't actually produce any of that work anymore in, in a way that is up to current standards. So there's this kind of weird, like, I there's a whole lot of stuff that I don't know that's involved in the work that we do, um, which is not unusual. There's nothing wrong with that considering my role, but it is one of those things that me as a person, I kind of go, oh, that would be great if I knew what they were talking about. So I have to <laughs> occasionally ask really dumb questions. But yeah, I think for me, it's more the the speed at which things change, if that makes sense. I, uh, I, I sympathize greatly as somebody who builds things because even I'm, I, I, I've been playing with Docker lately. Docker has been my new kind of, uh, sandbox mm -hmm. and I'm realizing like boy if I would have learned this about a year and a half ago I'd probably be a whole lot happier man. yeah but it's it's new and it's different and it's something that's taking you know that takes me away from other work and I've got to figure it out um, but that's you know it's I think it's a well-taken point that 
you can't always keep up with all of this stuff. There's just no way to make that happen, yeah. but you can pick and choose and, you know, d decide what you love and what you don't, but apply, you know, at least attention, you know, you don't know how react works or angular works, but you know, they exist and that's a starting point. Right. And then you can work with the people, you know, that's, I always say you, you don't have to know everything. You just have to hire the people who do. And so as long as you are working with a team where you can trust the people you've brought in to do that work, that's really, that's what makes not just an individual, but a whole team, a whole company be successful is having that kind of trust in those people, I think. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, when we were all in higher ed, that's one of the things that we would kind of convince um, about most is is not being trusted in our positions, not being seen as the expert in the room on these these topics. Um, so it's really important to me now that I recognize exactly that that I don't have to know everything, but I have to trust that my team does uh, and let them do their jobs. And in fact, right, you do a lot of talks and and conference presentations on this very subject, right? Yeah, I do. Um, and and it's, it's funny to me that as I started out being somebody who builds things and I'm a person that is, I mean, I have a master's degree in essentially databases. So I'm very into like everything in its proper place and those kinds of things um, that what I talk about most and what I get the most questions about uh, is people. It's I, I, you know, it's the it's the unavoidable elephant in the room. So we can be phenomenal experts in our fields and do all kinds of really amazing, great work. But if we're not effectively managing those relationships uh, with clients and with our colleagues, um, we're we're missing the boat and we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. So I talk more than anything else about stakeholder management and um, being a supportive team member and. Uh, finding ways to get your way without people knowing that you're getting your way. <laughs> people hacking. And it is kind of, thank you. I love that. That's, that's a really great way to say that. I think, the, I think the more acceptable term is social engineering, but even that I think has a, a little negative connotation, but I get you. I get you. I call it finesse. I call it just get them on my show, get them drunk and then see what happens. <laughs> uh, so you've got an opportunity here. Uh, a 16-year-old girl was walking in. She's uh, doing a, a workshop at her high school, and you happen to be there talking to another teacher. And she comes in and sees you, and she says, oh, you're talking about websites. I, I want to be a web developer someday. What advice do you give her? What is, what is like the golden nugget that you can bestow upon somebody who is, whether they're just thinking about it, maybe you know they've been in the industry a year or two years, but they're wanting to think about how they move up. Um, what's some advice that you want to lay down and, and hit somebody with? Oh, holy cow. How much time do we have? Cause I might be able to talk about this all day. Um, I mean, I've got about 60 gigs left in local storage. So. <laughs> um, so there are kind of a few things. Oh, I don't even know where to start. Holy cow. All right. So, um, one, try several things, like learn about the basics of a variety of things and figure out where you're actually, uh, where your interests actually are, what, what kind of trips your trigger, um, and kind of follow that path. Uh, two, I would say, 
take advantage of opportunities. Uh, one of kind of my own personal rules is I make it a point to try really hard to never say no to something, which I know is kind of counter often to our ability, our need to kind of say, draw lines in the professional sand. Um, and I'm not talking about like necessarily work. I'm talking about um, networking opportunities, conferences, uh, showing up on a podcast, uh, editing a book, all of those things. I've had literally all of those opportunities and I, I take them everywhere I can get them because it always yields some next step or some new relationship or some new opportunity. Like that's, that is that kind of be bold, um, which has kind of, kind of become a little cliche, but that's really important uh, to my success personally is, is being willing to get up in front of a room and talk about a failure. Um, and so that's how kind of your professional reputation is made. Um, and I, I, I've got piles of this stuff. <laughs> I don't know where to go next. Uh, be a good teammate. Um, help people. And the, I think the thing that, that for me to be a good web developer, a good web professional, you have to recognize that you're not, you're probably not your target audience and you have to build thinking about the user experience and thinking about who that user is. And um, I, again, I could just go on all day, but it's really important to recognize that none of what you're doing is really about the code. You made a point there. You said be helpful. And I think there's an important corollary to that too. That's just as important, which is let yourself be helped. Yes. Uh, you know, even I, I know some guys, I, I make this particular segment of our show specifically to talk to people who are not unicorns, who don't can't do everything and don't want to do everything. Um, and I know a few guys that are unicorns, like they are just brilliant minds, but even they once in a while have to kick in with the rest of the development team and try to sort out, you know, why, you know, crazy AI algorithms aren't working or machine learning stuff isn't working right. Like there's, I mean, it's crazy smart, high level stuff, but you have to be open. And I think there's a lot of inclination sometimes to take feedback as criticism when it right. very rarely is. I, I absolutely agree. I think not only um, should you accept help, but you should be seeking out help because none of us know everything and there's always an opportunity to learn from somebody else. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, I want to give you a chance, Shelly, to tell the listeners where they can find you, um, where they can connect with you online, if they have any questions maybe to, to follow up with you on or something, if they want to get a hold of you or anything you've got going on, any conferences you're maybe having the, in the pipes or anything, or, you know, where, where can they find modern tribe if they want to come talk to you about doing a project? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, connecting with me personally, probably Twitter is the best place. Uh, and I'm at Shelly Keith on Twitter and that is Shelly with two E's. Um, and uh, as far as things that are coming up, I will be at WordCamp US in Nashville in uh, December, it's the second weekend. Uh, I'm not presenting, I'm actually getting to go to a conference where I don't have any responsibilities, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I am leading um, the lead organizer for WordCamp Milwaukee, which is where I live, uh, for 2019. We haven't set a date yet, but be on the lookout for that if you're in the area. Um, and then. Modern Tribe, uh, we're online at tri.be, so that's tribe, uh, 
no.com. Um, and uh, feel free at any point if anybody has any questions or just wants to chat about people or governance or um, the heyday of web development and all the early stuff and have a drink about it, then uh, please reach out. Awesome. Well, Shelly, thanks for coming on with us this morning on Build Process. We appreciate you taking the time out of your morning to sit here with us. I know you're busy and have plenty of other things to get to, and uh, I'm just glad we were able to be one of them. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And for now, I think uh, the only other piece of advice I have to give people is just to keep your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye. <laughs>